0: So these are fully intact, male-bodied individuals of whom 33.8% are registered sex offenders. Uh, You would think that something like being a serial rapist would exclude you from the privilege of transferring to a woman's prison, but it does not. The law is specifically written in a way that says, if anyone with a similar or the same offense as the transfer has ever been incarcerated in that prison, it can't be an issue. So if there's one woman who, by chance, happened to have a a rape charge, then it's cleared the way for everyone else.
1: Women are currently being erased in culture, and I want to amplify their voices and share their stories. And welcome back to this is a woman podcast. Today's episode is one that you're not going to be able to stop listening to or put down. You're going to want to listen to the whole thing. There are some parts that are really hard to hear and listen to today, but it's extremely informative. I have an amazing guest on. Her name is Amy Ichikawa, and she runs and founded women to women and it's an organization that's actually focusing on incarcerated women and the things they're dealing with, how to help them so they don't have reentry once they get out, how to help them with services when they're in there. But what's extremely interesting and kind of what we dive into in the podcast is women are not only being erased on the sports field, in the bathrooms, they are being erased in prisons. Men are being put in women-only prisons. Women are becoming impregnated in women-only prisons. Women are being erased, all right? And this is because of a California law, but it is happening across the nation. Um, Amy gives some fantastic stats but some, most of the men that are choosing to identify as a woman when they never have in their life before, but they choose as soon as they are arrested so they can be put in a woman's only prison, are arrested or because they're sexual predators, because they've raped and abused multiple people and now they're being put into women's prisons. So it's horrific, but Amy herself was actually incar- incarcerated at the Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla for five years. So she has firsthand experience of what it's like to be in there. She has relationships with people that are currently incarcerated to have firsthand witness and experience that men are actually in these prisons, the amount of taxpayer dollars that are going to trans surgeries in these prisons, It's beyond horrible. Amy and I are going to dive into it all this episode. So keep listening. And without further ado, I would love to introduce you all to Amy. Welcome, Amy, to This is a Woman podcast. And we are so excited to have you all have you on here. As all of you listening have heard, Amy is the founder and executive director of Women to Women. And so Amy, can you just explain why you started that and what that is?
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited about this time we're spending together. Um, I am formerly incarcerated myself. Um, upon release, I realized there is not a lot of accessible resources for women who are reentering. Uh, so a couple of years later, it took me a while before I decided to establish Women to Woman. Um, there was just a growing need. So... I wanted to serve as a resource hub, uh, like a peer support community that uh, could provide some safe familiarity for women coming home to give them a stable foundation to start the next phase of their life. At the same time, SB 132 was beginning implementation, and I had to shift gears and really dedicate the majority of my time to that because it, it, it was and still is very much an emergency. mm mm-hmm.
1: Perfect. And so SB 132, for those of you that are listening and might not be familiar with that, well, it's a California law. And I've talked about it on other podcast episodes or post about it on social media. Here in California, the legislators are really trying to erase overall just what a woman is. But it's not just happening in sports, the locker rooms, the bathrooms, through language. It's also happening in prisons. And so that's what we saw with SB 132 with Senator Scott Weiner, And ultimately, again, I don't agree with the language that there's. you can switch your gender or you can have a gender identity, but that's the language used in the bill, saying that when you get arrested, you basically get to choose where you go to prison based off your gender identity. So a man can end up in an all-woman's prison. And so, Amy, that, um, I believe that was officially signed into law in 2021. Um, But that bill, you know, people say, okay, well, things like that don't actually happen. There's not men in women's prisons. Women aren't being erased. Um, And again, this is such an important issue because it's showing that women are being erased in every place and everywhere. So can you talk about SB 132 and if you've actually been able to firsthand hear stories, talk to people about this happening?
0: Uh, yes, very, I can go into great depth about this. Uh, I was pretty shocked when I started getting phone calls January 1st of 2021 from you know friends inside, uh, friends of friends inside, from family members, from people I had never met before. Uh, and they were very emotional, scared, distraught. And it was unbelievable because I hadn't seen SB 132. This law, like many other, there are questionable uh, pieces of legislation passed during the COVID lockdowns. So nobody really knew this was happening except for you know, the authors and the supporting members of the nonprofit industrial complex. Um, There are no guardrails or preventative measures that the Department of Corrections can take in order to safeguard the female population from the incoming transfers from men's prisons. There's no requirements other than gender self-ID to qualify for a transfer. There's no need for uh, to be on hormones, to be on a list for SRS, anything. So these are fully intact, male-bodied, Individuals of whom 33.8% are registered sex offenders. Uh, You would think that something like being a serial rapist would exclude you from the privilege of transferring to a woman's prison, but it does not. The law is specifically written in a way that says if anyone with a similar or the same offense as the transfer has ever been incarcerated in that prison, it can't be an issue. So if there's one woman who by chance happen to have a, a, a rape charge, then it's cleared the way for everyone else. Um, you can't take physical attributes like genitalia, criminal history, or sexual orientation into consideration when making these decisions. That being said, there's heterosexual, bisexual, fully operational men that have long histories of violence against women that are infiltrating the entire women's prison. and. I know it's not really a popular subject. I I know most people don't uh, take a lot of time out of their day to think about what's happening to people in prison, but this is the the ground zero for these kind of social experiments. This is going to be a nightmare if it continues and we allow it to start happening on the level that's happening in the prison, in the free world. I don't really think anybody is fully equipped to deal with this level of erasure. the one way that I try and describe it to people is these women are watching themselves disappear right in front of their own eyes. They have never, nobody has respect, agency, or dignity in the Department of Corrections. So providing it to a very small percentage of the community that's been infiltrated by very, very predatory people is creating the most heinous imbalance of power and the women are, I mean, the, the definition of oppression you, you're, you're not comfortable to speak. You can't be yourself. You can't do anything. And that's exactly what's happening there. Uh, the prioritization of these individuals is paramount to everything from medical to, I mean, everything. Everything. They are prancing around with women's rights, men's rights, and trans rights that these women have never experienced in their entire incarceration. So it's, it's horrible to have to hear, to have to watch. And I've been back since the uh, law was implemented. I've been inside and it's it's not good. I, it was really important for me to get in there so that I could really feel for myself and verify that this is as bad as I think it is. And it's, it's just as bad, if not worse.
1: Yeah, it's horrible to even imagine that's happening. And you gave that stat with... Um... About one third of those who are choosing to identify as a woman are sexual offenders, predators. And so, I guess when I think of that, it kind of makes me think of um, when you think of this at the sports issue angle. A lot of times it's a boy who is losing, losing, losing on the boy's side. Okay, so how can I get a national title? How can I win? How can I do that? Let me switch to the woman's side. And so, I just, I guess, from an outsider looking in on this, I don't necessarily believe all these men that are choosing to go to the women's prisons are because they have a form of gender dysphoria or confusion. I There must be another reason as to why I guess they would want to be in mm-hmm. prisons. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that maybe didn't even know there's prisons that are fully separated like by gender, um, by sex. Um, So maybe could you touch on why men would want to be in the women's prisons?
0: Absolutely. So the differences in California, I I can only speak about California, between men and women's prisons is that men are separated by uh, level, according to the, the nature of violence of their crime and their criminal activity during incarceration. It's levels one through four, and there's prisons that are level one, two, three, and four for men. Women are all together. Levels one through four of females are are all in the same facilities. They don't have to separate us because there isn't the same level of violence or risk factor there. Men are also separated by uh, gang affiliation. Um, It's very political over there in a way that women are not familiar with. And the toxic politics are being infiltrated, brought into the women's prison, and it, it's, it's terrifying. They don't understand what's happening. They, this is the most manipulative, twisted game I've ever you know, witnessed. This is worse than any movie I've ever seen. The, um, half of the people that have transferred are protective custody security moves. There is nowhere else for the Department of Corrections to keep them safe. So dump them on the women's prison. But it's not the women's responsibility to keep them safe. That's the state's responsibility. Uh, and it's become their job to be like comfort care animals to these people. So, uh, for example, someone got stabbed in one of the men's prison. in And it's a protective custody prison. So they transferred him to CCWF. Um, they took a whole prison across the street from CCWF, VSPW, Uh, valley state prison for women they took it in in 2011 or 12 when i was incarcerated and they combined all the women in one prison in across the street at ccwf they said they were taking that prison to specifically turn it into an sny prison an sny facility is a special needs yard which is for um, people who are more at risk for being hurt so people who have dropped out or have a green light or you know have uh, safety issues other than you know people that are on the main line so you would think that you could put these transfers there since you took the women's prison away from the women for people with special needs why not put them there but they just decided to eliminate women's prison altogether and now we have men's prison and anyone else's prison
1: yeah, it's, it's horrible to hear because there's some people that um, truthfully might hear about this. They might think, well, they're incarcerated women, who cares if this is happening to them? But these are not just everyday men being thrown into the women's prison. It's men that are choosing to identify as a woman, to go into the women's prison that are dangerous men. And it doesn't matter if you are incarcerated or not as a woman, you don't deserve to be put in a situation where you are going to be sexually assaulted in a woman's only prison by a man. And so Mm -hmm. I've seen the different things on social media where it's talking about, um, there's like signs going up and maybe you can clarify if you know this is true or not, or what's going on, but there's signs going up in woman only prisons saying how to make sure not to get pregnant. How is a woman supposed to get pregnant in a woman's only prison and things like that? So can you touch on if you know, if signs like that are yeah. going up or?
0: It was so, so sad. Um, I have a good friend who works, uh, she was working as a clerk in the medical unit the day that those signs were put up. And she, she called crying and said, I don't understand what's happening. This was in the very beginning this is when the condom dispensers were put in to ciw and in ccwf she went to work and there was a sign that said what your options are if and when you become pregnant mm-hmm. option number one is a plan b pill option number two is an abortion option number three is connecting with a social worker to pro- begin the process of adoption uh, and the first thing they said was so what are they telling us we're we're gonna get pregnant because why is why is this even here it's never been here before um condoms had contraceptives have been available in the men's prison for years there's an aids epidemic in there mm-hmm. things happen in men's prison men do things that are different than women women don't have penises so they've never needed condoms in the women's prison but now that the demographic has changed mm-hmm. um We see that with, you know, AB 1810 that's coming up. They want to make them readily available. Instead of dealing with the fact that there's reproductively compatible people being forcibly housed together, we're just going to tell these people here, don't get pregnant or get AIDS. Uh, That seems really reckless. And it's further devaluing these women who are all, 90% of them are survivors of some form of sexual abuse. In my experience, it's 100%. But according to the ACLU study, it's, it's, it's 90. Uh, forcing these women to have to try and rehabilitate while they're living in the same fear of their original trauma is cruel and unusual on every level. Um, having to see predators prioritized over everything and having to see people get medical services and care that is unheard of is really starting to cause some widespread depression, complex PTSD. Uh, I can tell when people are starting to disassociate and, and just really start to fall into the dumps and the doldrums. They're, they're not well.
1: I, I want to emphasize for those of you listening, how illogical this is. There needs to be, condoms, plan B, and signs about what to do if you get pregnant in a woman's only prison. We all know basic biology. It takes a man and a woman to get pregnant. It takes a man and a woman for that to happen. We know that. That's We can't lie about that. We can't lie about biology, but This is stemming from our legislators and also the culture of trying to erase what a woman is. So just let that settle in for a second. Let that click how illogical it is that you would need advice on what to do if you get pregnant in a woman's only area. And that's because they're letting the men in. They're letting the men identify as women and letting them in and calling them a woman. And this all goes back to it. If they can continue to change the language when it comes to the law, how can we disagree with it? But it's law, but it's law. And that's what future legislators are going to be raised on future lawyers, all these things, but the law says this. And so I just don't think people realize how in depth, um, what a woman is. Women are being erased, um, and so that AB 1810 you mentioned by Assemblymember Isaac Bryan, um, for those of you listening that aren't familiar with the depths of the California legislator, legislators, politics, all of that, there was actually a bill last year, SB 14, and all it was going to do was make human trafficking of a minor a violent felony. Isaac Repeat. Bryan- Yes. yes. Isaac Bryan was the one legislator or one of the two legislators that was really trying to kill that bill down to the very end. So that's kind of a preface, I guess, of who he is. But this year he just introduced this bill. And so it popped up kind of on my radar at first because I saw there's this bill. I'm not too familiar with how it works inside women's prisons when it comes to getting birth control when it comes to getting tampons, um, pads, all those different things. But what kind of set off the light bulb for me that this is not a good bill was it took anywhere it says female or woman out of the bill and replaced it with persons or menstruators. Um, And so I kind of tweeted it out. Of course, Mm -hmm. assembly member Ryan didn't respond to it at all. He then tweeted about the bill himself. So I asked him, How come you're removing the language um, that says female to persons or to menstruators? Because we all know men don't menstruate. Men don't need tampons. Men don't take birth control. Like No matter how you feel about a woman taking birth control, men don't take it. That's not how their bodies work. And so, Amy, you actually commented on the tweet kind of from a different angle of knowing how it works inside the prisons, knowing how... Hard it already is to access these products, to access tampons, to access pads. So Mm -hmm. can you kind of, I guess, hit it from that angle?
0: Well, when I was incarcerated, I got there in 2009 and there used to be big trash cans that were full of pads and tampons that staff would push out once or twice a week so that everybody could get what they needed. Mm -hmm. Then there was like the big hygiene shortage of 2010, where we had no toilet paper, no tampons, no pads, nothing. We were making them ourselves. It was, it was terrible. People were hoarding toilet paper, like it was gold. Uh, Then it got to the point where they would issue like five tampons and five pads weekly. And when you're in a room with four women, and all your periods think, and everybody is menstruating together, that really doesn't work out. So we started scheduling to where every time the door unlocked, we would go to the cop shop, the officer station to ask for supplies. And it's it's humiliating to have to ask someone, whether it's a male or female staff, female staff will turn their nose up at you, male staff is gonna say, didn't you just ask what's wrong with you? What are you like shaped wrong or something? what do you need, like a whole roll of toilet paper to put up there? What's wrong with you? It's it's humiliating. So now that they want these things to be available for men, there's no issue. You're going to change a whole law and ensure that these are ready, readily available at any time. Um, my issue, I, I noticed the same thing automatically, as did the several women that I passed the bill along to, to read. The first half, okay, great. They're going to make sure the supplies are available. I said, keep going, guys. Keep going. Keep please read the bills to the end, okay? Because that's where they're going to shove in all this weird stuff about making sure contraceptives are available in juvenile facilities. Why would juveniles need contraceptives anyway? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's, That's totally unacceptable to me. This is something way bigger than it looks like. This is all tying into the weirdo agenda that is to abolish the age of consent to further sexualize children, to uh, just promote this depravity that is being celebrated in Sacramento and, and normalized. Um, just, I, I commented, I actually tweeted myself, sir, if this is a pro-woman bill and you're really trying to help, why would you exclude women from a bill dedicated to menstrual products? Why wouldn't you be friendly and add some potential gender fluid terminology after the word woman? instead of eliminating us from our own our own league, our own thing. Uh, if, if the word woman wasn't extremely important, everyone wouldn't be scrambling to get rid of it all over the place. There's something really special about it. And uh, I think the powers that be know that once it's erased, we're, we're done. We're done.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I
0: can't. I can't support that one. I can't support any legislation that uh, eliminates women, um, even if it's a pro-women bill. And 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 SB 14 was a really big deal too, because I, I thought everybody was going to be supportive of that fully. And I was the only social justice related organization that supported that bill. And I got a lot of hate for it, created a lot of issues. People even went so far as to tell mutual friends and people in the prison very negative things about me because I supported that bill. But so did the women in prison. I mean, if I have a strike, I'm pretty sure it's okay for uh, a repeat child sex trafficker to have one too. Just seems like common sense, but it's uh, not trending right now. So
1: Yeah. Well, and I think you make an important point when you mentioned you sent it to your friends, the 1810 bill. Um, and they're like, oh, this sounds great. This looks great. And you say, keep reading, keep reading. And I think that's a lot of people choose to not fully read what the whole entire bill is doing or saying. Um, on that tweet, I tweeted out saying, what the heck, men don't menstruate. Why are you erasing women in this bill? Someone commented on that tweet and was like, totally agreeing with me, this is horrible. Assembly member Brian, what are you doing? All this stuff. And then three days later, he tweeted out about the bill himself. It sounded like a phenomenal bill when he tweeted out because he didn't talk about how he's erasing women in it and that the illogical ideas behind this bill. The same person that agreed with me on my tweet tweeted under his tweet and said, this is a great bill, thank you so much. And he actually responded, because it's someone that normally doesn't agree with him and just said, thank you so much, that actually means a lot. And I thought, this person's not playing both sides. They didn't even realize that same bill that he was hyping up and may sound like a great bill was the same bill that I called out and they agreed with me, how horrible. And so I think that's the issue. People are believing the legislators. The last thing I ever do is believe a legislator, um, especially in California, Mm -hmm. actually read the language. There was another bill last year that's coming back this year, SB 59, and it's supposed to put menstrual products in (sighs) bathrooms, in men's bathrooms. And I went and testified on that. And I just said, hey, great bill if you remove the men's restrooms. And so I don't think... The legislators are even realizing, hey, we're not disagreeing with you on the entire thing. Amend the bill, fix the mm-hmm. language. And I think that's with 1810. Fix that language. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people on the opposite aisle supporting it.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, but I, that's not their goal. Their goal isn't to accommodate, fix, or be in agreement with anybody who isn't a Marxist. This mm-hmm. is exclusively to hurt women. This is done just like Senator Weiner's bills are written. It is with complete detest to women. It is like I I can read it and I can just feel the seething towards women that's coming out because it's such that these motives, I can't label them as anything else but anti-woman. You can't remove women from a a menstrual bill. (laughs) It, it, it makes absolutely no sense. It's super offensive. They would never do that to anybody else. And there is the option, the alternative of of adding inclusive language for people who don't say that they're women that have periods. That's go ahead. Go for that. Just don't erase the women. Mm-hmm. If this wasn't a full on attack against women, but it is.
1: Exactly. And so like you mentioned, Senator Scott Weiner, he was the author of SB 132, the bill that ultimately is what allows men to go into women's prisons. So you run an organization that is all about helping incarcerated women. Did he ever even reach out to you in regards to this bill or ask, hey, you are heavily involved in this. What's your input on SB 132?
0: No. Uh, Actually, he he did a couple of town halls prior to Woman to Woman being official. Um, After we filed the lawsuit with Wolf uh, for an injunction against SB 132, he publicly said that um, the only people who are having issues with this well-written bill that I'm so proud of are TERFs. Women in prison don't even know what a TERF is. Yeah. they're definitely not turfs; they're just women who are trying to exist as women and he's demonizing anyone who has any questions about this bill that he exclusively wrote for men. Trans men, which are women in women's prison who live as men, have absolutely no benefits coming from this bill whatsoever they no 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 one does except for people that were born men mm-hmm. uh and even within the bill, it's even more sinister as you continue reading because you can't tell these transfers no for any reason. If you tell them no for a bed move, uh, a job placement, anything, you have to submit to them in writing why they said why they're being denied for whatever the request is. And in my experience, nobody's trying to do paperwork as it is, so nobody's going to deny anyone and. They're also afforded the privilege of removing anyone from their room that they allegedly don't feel safe around. Uh, These are eight man cells, there's four bunk beds, there's a shower, a toilet, and two sinks. So they're able to go in there and say, I don't want anybody else in this room or I just want her and it's done and the rest of the people get displaced. And the traumatic part about that is it takes years to cultivate a, a environment and a little community and to get along with seven other people. It's hard. It takes a, a lot. It's an investment. And some of these people have been together for years. So to have an outsider come in and have the privilege of saying, I don't want this person, this person, or this person in here, and for the police to not have the power to say no, it it really is a problem. And if they need to be alone for medical reasons, like, like they need to dilate post-op, they need to be in a medical facility where they can finish or, or, or heal or have the, the privacy to perform medically required activities where it doesn't impact seven other people or displace them. Uh, That would have been logical, like someone could be potentially post-op and healed and able to live in women's general population in a dorm setting. But no, let's just displace all the women. And uh, even after these individuals have been caught beating someone or having sex or uh, someone's called a a pre-violation against them, there are no consequences. They're simply moved. If you get caught choking someone out, they'll move you from one honor dorm to the next without consequence, there's there's just there's no nose, none. It's
1: horrible to like hear from you what is going on as a result of this bill and how women are being erased. And I think people need to wake up to the fact that it's not just women are being erased. It's because of that erasure women are being hurt. They're being abused. It's all levels of society at this point. Um, I think this is what's happening in the prisons is a huge level that's under talked about and people aren't aware about. So I'm hoping people can kind of wake up and realize that this is an issue. And if you're going to stand up for women, you need to stand up for all the women and the women that are incarcerated. And so that's why I love what you're doing. And so I guess I kind of just want to wrap up with uh, maybe diving a little bit more into woman to woman and what, I guess maybe what a day in the life looks like of what you're doing or how you're, a lot of people don't understand what help women in prisons need. And so can you dive into that a little bit?
0: Yes. uh, For one of the primary things I think they need is to be remembered. Uh, They're forgotten, they're discarded, they're stigmatized. Uh, It's not widely celebrated when women go to prison. I get it, you know, and I understand that this case, these are people who ended up in prison, uh, I just happen to love them very much. And I'm kind of, I have some issues. They need they need support from the body of Christ. It's, it's really important right now more than ever for congregations to stand up and come defend the part of the body that is in prison, that is connected to you, that is being persecuted. Some women who have stood firm on their Christian conservative values are probably not coming home because they have stood up against this hostile takeover. Um, They're not allowed, there's women who are afraid to go to Jewish services because it's been infiltrated by predatory males that are stalking them. Um, they, They really just need some representation because once the state, once the Department of Corrections, once the powers that be, the powers and principalities at the top know that somebody cares, they're going to get embarrassed and they'll start, you'll see action. You'll see the wheels turning and maybe some backtracking on this, but until people care, it's, it's not going to really change. And if people don't necessarily care about, um, these women, they should care that their tax dollars are being Mm -hmm. spent in, in large portions for this kind of stuff. Uh, I do a lot of research. Um, I wish there were more hours in the day, but I have so many bills to read. I have so much mail to read. And uh, I I don't even have time sometimes to take it out of my head and put it on paper. But uh, communicating is, is one of the things that takes up most of my time. Uh, I'll take a lot of calls in the day just to stay in the loop and in the know of what's happening on a day-to-day basis. Uh, we also work on We're we're working on proposed legislation with other states because uh, I'm trying to go federal. I need for women in jails, state and federal prisons, to have equal protection of the law. So I'm I'm not even primarily focusing on California anymore. It has to be bigger than that because this is a nationwide issue. There's women in a lot of other states who've reached out, and it's even worse in the federal prisons because who do you go to when you need help from the feds the feds uh that's that's what takes up the most of our time is communication and developing resources and encouragements for the women inside uh we just started a newsletter and uh we just i think finished our third our third edition and it's, it's full of information, resources, uh, uh, updates on legislation that affect them directly and encouragements and uh, just an undertone of you're not alone, you're never alone. Um, be, just listen to that still small voice and be brave because right now they won't uh, stand up for themselves because they are afraid of losing uh, their parole dates. They're afraid of losing everything because those women who have been brave enough and bold enough to stand up have lost everything and they are continue. They, they, they are still under persecution because of the fact that they spoke out against this bill so we got to keep everybody pumped up we're kind of like cheerleaders um we seek out a legal representation for different women and we have to consult with a lot of lawyers because this is for us precious cargo these are like mm-hmm. This is my family so i i don't want to connect them with people that don't have their best interests at heart and i have to protect the public at the same time because everybody matters in these situations and i i i don't want to make anything worse for anybody so i have to do a lot of thinking and that's a little time consuming too and that hasn't left very much time for infrastructure development or fundraising so uh we function on prayers and good luck. <laughs> and um, We are focused this year on getting more professional and tying things up and securing some, some official funding and being able to have our needs met to where we can use our full potential to help the women inside, to empower them, educate them, and get them confident enough to stand up for themselves which will have an impact on us because what happens in there is happening to us too because we we really are them. And that's how we have to think about this in order to smash this problem.
1: Wow, that's amazing hearing everything you're doing. You're really serving and working in um, an underserved area. Um, An area, like you said, it's, it's not just random women that are in there, they sisters in Christ that are in there that you're standing up for. And then I also want to highlight that you said, this is, it's a national issue. It's a federal issue. It's not just happening in California. And that's very true. I was going through headlines the other day and I'm seeing it's happening. Like again, not just in California. I was like seeing things of three or four, five, six different States where I'm reading articles and it literally is saying a man that is in prison right now because he is sexually assaulted and raped thirty two different people is now in the women's prison. And so this isn't just a California issue. This is a federal issue. It's a national issue, and it's happening everywhere. I do think people need to pay attention to what happens in California because we, in California, unfortunately, influence the rest of the nation um, on these things. But, wow, what you're doing is just extremely powerful. And so what is the best way that people are listening? I'll put all your information in the caption stuff, but what's the best way people can find you on social media or your website or anything like that?
0: Um, I, I, they can find us on social media, at uh, woman, I, I, woman, Inc., on Twitter. I mean, X on on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh our website has a lot of resources and all of our email addresses and my cell phone number is the number for woman to woman because I we don't, can't afford a landline. So, um, you know, if anybody wants information, just give me a call, I'll answer. Uh, but we could use advice. You know, it's not just, we're not looking for exclusively financial assistance either. We, we need lawyers. We need um, people who aren't afraid to stand up to the state of California. Because if we don't flip California and repair these damaging forms of legislation, we're, we're gonna lose everything because the nation's depending on California, getting it together and getting back in the right direction in the right lane and doing the right things.
1: Absolutely. And then I wanna highlight one last thing that you said, cause I thought it's extremely important. You said, even if you don't care about the women who are incarcerated. Our tax dollars are going to this stuff. If you're not familiar with that, our tax dollars will help pay for these trans surgeries, these mutilating body surgeries, and to the extent of also paying for then abortions and things like that in the prisons. So our taxpayer dollars are heavily at work on this issue. I mean... Hopefully you care enough just about the women and the erasure of women. But if that's not enough for you to be upset and angry and f- fuel the fire to do something about this, know your taxpayer dollars are literally going mm-hmm. to the erasure and the harm of women. Um, but Amy, I just if want If you
0: need to put it in, in a better perspective, here's one 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 little tidbit. Yeah. Women can't get breast reductions for any reason because they're deemed cosmetic but if you want a double mastectomy or a breast reduction for a trans related request you can get it you can't get your teeth capped if they're broken unless it's the front one because it's cosmetic but the transgender healthcare guide provides breast implants trach shaves mm-hmm. full body laser hair removal anal bleaching uh hip and butt implants there is no end because it's subjective and it's all case by case between the patient inmate and the care provider so there really isn't a limit so as of right now well as of last year there was over four million that had been spent exclusively on these procedures not including the cost of transportation and staff that it takes to transfer someone from death row to their laser hair removal appointments this is very costly. This is definitely contributing to this deficit. And the Department of Corrections has an eight, $18.4 billion budget this year. You can only guess how much of that is going to be invested in unnecessary cosmetic procedures for some of the most heinous predators in the state of California.
1: Wow. It's You guys heard it here first. It's horrible. It's expensive. Um, yeah, I just can't, I'm even struggling to wrap my mind around that. This, this is what's actually happening. This isn't, we're not talking about a one case, one off situation. It's happening. It's happening everywhere. It's happening often. I mean, evidently with the numbers you just gave us, it has to be happening often if it's going to cost that much. Um, but Amy, I just want to leave it to you. If you have any final thing, um, you want to just say and put out there for those listening
0: um well thank you again for spending time with me and and again californians americans christians you we have to prioritize the least of us we really have to prioritize the least of us and you can tell a lot about a country by the way they treat their prisoners and right now if i was an outsider looking in i would just think that america hates women And we have to really do something about that.
1: Yes, amazing. Well, you guys can all help get involved and do something. I will um, check out the caption of this podcast and you'll be able to figure out how to find Amy and Women to Women and how you can get more involved. But Amy, thank you so much for coming on. This was extremely informative and hopefully more people can just become aware and get involved in stopping the erasure of women on all levels.